Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Tony Katz, the morning news. 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Uh, yes, the special board meeting is happening uh, or might be completed. I don't know. At some point, it's going to be completed. And uh, Yvonne Stokes will be out as the uh, superintendent of Hamilton Southeastern uh, Schools. Sorry for fumbling that part. Uh, she is the first black superintendent, uh, as uh, several people talked about. Uh, and she's uh, not going to be completing her her tenure, uh, which would have ended in the middle of next year anyway. Uh, here's the thing that I think is so significant to this, and the reason I want to talk about it as much as I will uh, today, is just even like when you go back to the microaggression thing, and I'm sure lots of people listening to the show remember that, uh, they had put microaggressions into the student handbook, and then the new board took them out of the student handbook uh, because I can I can read it. I found the original uh, part from Section 28. Uh, microaggressions can be defined as everyday, subtle, intentional or unintentional interactions or behaviors that communicate some sort of bias toward historically marginalized groups. Here's my um, favorite part of that sentence uh, that I just read to you out loud. Unintentional interactions is the part that I love the most. Microaggressions can be defined as everyday, subtle, intentional or totally unintentional um, or behaviors that communicate some sort of bias. I don't know why I'm just repeating all the words now uh, that was uh, pulled out because the new board was like, you know, uh, we kind of feel like some of this we're teaching people is telling them they have to be racist or you have to be this, you have to be that. And there's, there's sort of a no hope uh, version of, of uh, discussing these topics in our society right now. And what's crazy about that, uh, at least to me, I'm a millennial, I'm in my late 30s, and when I went to school, and each person's journey is their own, I, guess, I don't know how to say that, uh, less woke, that sounded very woke, uh, but when I went to school, we were told to just treat everybody the same. Uh, that was the goal, that was the mission, and you weren't supposed to really focus on race. And even uh, Bill Maher uh, recently said in an interview uh, that there's an obsession right now on the left, Bill Maher is certainly someone associated quite a bit with the left about seeing race in everything, even stuff it's not in. And so the simple question becomes, can someone not be racist? And can we teach? And of course, you have an answer to that. I have an answer to that. I believe wholeheartedly the answer is yes. Um, but uh, some don't want to teach that way. Uh, my other favorite thing that exists in the world right now, in the world of education and, and um, also race, is the people who say that like minority groups can't be racist because they're marginalized and only majority groups, only white people uh, can be racist. So much of this instruction, so much of this teaching damages kids because kids don't think about stuff that way. They, they just, they just don't. Um, I, I remember being a kid and being told early on that, you know, treat everybody the same. And there was no part of my brain that was like, no, can't do that. I'm indoctrinated not to, or there's something in me internally that refuses to see everybody as the same. As a kid, you're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. That makes sense to me. Can I have my snack now and take a nap? 
Um, but so this is why this is occurring. It's not any of the other stuff that people are going to accuse it of being. It's an overly focused, um, you know, uh, movement toward things that seem to teach definitively that something is is happening for this reason or that reason. Um, and here's the one thing I will say. And, and I don't know if I'm going to lose anybody that's with me on this uh, by saying this extra thing. I'm not going to pretend that that racism doesn't exist in our society. It does. Uh, people at times uh, wind up very much in the news uh, for doing terrible things. And those terrible things are, are motivated by race. Uh, we have the story out of Florida that happened just a short time ago uh, where the man was evidently a racist um, and the way he behaved. But what I think is intriguing about the world we live in right now is the assumption that everyone has to behave the way that some very extreme people seem to behave and that there's no chance that most people don't feel that way, that it's it's just it's got to be a thing that's ingrained in everyone. The other moment that I thought was so significant uh, in the last few months that sort of demonstrates this, too, is the fight um, uh, around that boat that was docking. And you had white people fighting uh, black individuals. And I remember a whole lot of people telling me that it had to be racism that caused that fight to occur. And I said, let me ask you just one question about this before I, I move on. And I don't know. I'm not sure uh, what occurred and why. I know what it looks like when you see um, people of one race fighting people of another race and how that all started. Um, a few people who had a boat uh, fought a dock worker who was trying to move their boat. The guys who had the boat shouldn't have been in the place they were in. The dock worker had every right to move it. Anyway, I just asked a simple question. I'm like, if I removed race from the description and I told you some drunk dudes fought a person who was trying to move their boat uh, because their boat was in a place it shouldn't be. Does that sound like a crazy viral story in our society right now? Or does that sound like the kind of thing that you might have heard of a lot? It might happen a lot. Maybe drunk people, angry people, whatever, people doing stuff they shouldn't do would get mad when someone working at a place uh, tried to force them to do a thing they don't want to do. And then chaos ensues and the fight goes all different kinds of other directions. Uh, but I simply said that, and most people told me, yeah, okay, fine. I, I understand that that could be a story, but race is here, so it's got to be applicable. And I think that's what's at the heart of so much pushback in all of this is, and you know, and I, I apologize if this is repetitive and I'm just ranting on this topic. Um, and I, I get told this all the time too, by the way, as a, a white guy, I'm not allowed to quote Martin Luther King Jr. because I'm using him or misunderstanding his message. Uh, but his most simplistic message, if I'm to get it right, is that we weren't supposed to see race anymore. We're supposed to evolve into a society that doesn't really see it. And if we're being taught in school that there's no way for you to control your, quote, microaggressions, even unintentional ones, because they're somehow communicating a bias toward others, we're telling people we can never get to the dream of not seeing race, that it has to be seen all the time, everywhere, because to think of it any other way is impossible. And I think that message is bad. A quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Matt and Jonathan hanging out, as they always do in the mornings on this show. Um, I love this story that you sent me, uh, Jonathan, about a woman...
Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to have you with us. Um, This is the first time I'm going to talk about potential Biden impeachment today, the president of the country, uh, obviously. Um, And the reason why I don't care about this as much as I probably should and as much as maybe a lot of you do, and I know a lot of people are celebrating the Republican move to go this road. Uh, The reason I don't care is because taking down Biden benefits the Democrats. Uh, I'm not saying he's not deserving um, from every single thing we understand and hear and comprehend about the Hunter Biden business dealings, the selling of of uh, the illusion of influence, I think, or the illusion of connection, whatever the words is they chose to say, just all of that stuff, the 20 meetings uh, or, you know, um, uh, phone calls where you put on speakerphone and Hunter is meeting with business people. Like, it's all ridiculous. It's all crazy. And a lot of it is probably uh, business as usual in the world of politics. And there's a lot more politicians that probably deserve to be punished. I like Biden could be punished for this. I will also say that even though it feels like there's a lot of proof, uh, the fact that Democrats can say with a straight face, you know what, I actually have some audio. I'll go ahead and play this of Adam Schiff saying this. Say with a straight face that they don't think that there's any proof that this isn't uh, real, that it's a witch hunt. All the stuff that Republicans said uh, when uh, Trump got impeached twice. The thing, the ability for them to say that uh, means that they believe the American people as a whole haven't all been convinced that Biden is guilty. And they claim there's no you know, true smoking gun uh, because I guess Biden wasn't stupid enough to put money in a bank account with his own name on it. But here, let me play this first. An impeachment is a serious thing. Uh, it's not something that should be a bargaining chip for Kevin McCarthy to give the Matt Gateses of the world to try to buy them off for another week. Uh, and it will just bring down this institution even, for, even further. So that happened twice uh, when they did this to Trump. I think that you um, lowered the value of impeachment. I would also say that there's no chance the Senate actually would remove uh, Biden from power. So you're doing something in the world of politics that you know will have an inevitable end road, unless what happens within this investigation, the impeachment investigation announced yesterday, is actually discovery of definitive can't be denied by the Democrats uh, versions of proof, which, again, I know people will be shouting at the radios that already exists, uh, but we, you need more, I guess, in that world. And so here's what I mean in my take. Here's what I'm, I'm truly trying to say, because I want it to be clear. I don't want it to be misunderstood. I'm not asking Republicans not to investigate, go after Biden, find as much proof as humanly possible of any sort of corruption anywhere in politics, not just with our president and the most ridiculous uh, son of a president in probably the history of our country. Uh, But what I am saying is that this is utterly different than when Democrats did this to Trump because of how widely popular Trump was. Removing Biden, putting Harris into the role of president for any amount of time is terrifying. And then it gives Democrats a very easy out and also a way to shape a message uh, to the American people that those things they claim are true about Republicans, the upending whatever the crap it is that they say, uh, all of those things uh, do gain more steam, I think, with the, the base on that side. And you're removing someone that I can't see getting reelected. I don't care if it's Trump running or someone else running. And I know I've been told by a lot of people this just can't uh, be right, that there's got to be a chance. But Biden has been so bad at this job that so many Democrats in poll after poll say they don't want him to run again. They don't think he's a good fit. They don't think he's mentally fit to be the president of the country. So it's sort of like the comparison to me in in all of this. It's sort of like getting the bench player kicked out of a game who's not likely to do very well. I know he's the president, 
But in my opinion, uh, there is a fairly easy slam dunk win to beat Biden here. And I, I care more about that, um, even though, as I said, I know the Senate won't uh, vote to actually impeach unless uh, the proof is so definitive and found well. And I do think that there has been attempts to prevent Republicans from gaining the information they want. So an impeachment inquiry hopefully helps get around any of those barriers. It, it just feels like to me a very shallow win if it happens because of the politician they're taking down and the value I see in that politician. However, right or wrong that is, that's the big reaction I've had to that story and all of its um, you know, parts so far. I want to play one other piece of audio. I found this fascinating, uh, and then we'll take a break. Uh, this is a reporter asking a question uh, to uh, Matt Miller, a Biden State Department spokesperson, about COVID, about the Wuhan Institute of Virology, about funding, about all of this. And it's the second half of the I'm not answering your question, sir, please shut up, that I think is the most interesting, the most potentially damaging, because the first part was trying to behave as though uh, the question was ridiculous and move on quickly. But when the reporter presses, you see Matt Miller sort of freak out. You see him sort of uh, break a little bit and get more concerned, more worried. And I think that's significant because the reporter was pushing very hard on, are you saying that we gave no money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to study things like COVID or coronavirus or wherever we're going to go with this? And he couldn't say no to that. So he just had to struggle and move on to the next question. Again, I find this fascinating as far as a piece of audio out there in the world. How much money went from USAID to this, to the work at Wuhan and to their collaborator, Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina? Uh, to create, to collect and make coronaviruses that are weaponized, that um, are more deadly. So I, first of all, reject the implicit accusation in that question, and I do not have at my finger. I, 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 I do not. I do not have at my fingertips the particular details of USA. Are you saying question. for certain? Go ahead. Are you saying for? Certain? I love this. He's like, go ahead, next person, come on. And the reporter's like, ah, I'm getting my two minutes. Certain that no USAID money go, went to the I, Wuhan I, Institute I've of Virology. Question. Go ahead. No, please tell yeah. me. Do you? No, do you, I, do you I, are you I, stating I, that no? Yeah, I will say I am, I am happy to take questions from those in this audience. I'm happy to answer them. I appreciate that they treat uh, every person in this room. That guy sounds real, real nervous. Uh, that's that's my assessment of it. You can't see him. I know it's radio, but you can hear him. The voice starts to waver. Including myself respectfully. I'd call on you. I'm now calling on someone else. Go ahead. <laughs> what I also love about that, by the way, hold on. Actually, this part's pretty good. Please tell me, what are you denying? Go ahead. What please. is your denial? Go <laughs> I love that so much. What are you saying I'm not right about? What are you saying and my question is wrong? And I go ahead, next person, please. I love the version of I'm being respectful to you by not answering your question at all and trying to move on and make you shut up in a very formal way. Why can't you be respectful to me and stop asking your question that I definitely don't want to answer? To me, that's a better, more interesting story right now uh, than some of the other things that are more dominant topics in the world of political news. All right, a quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in, Tony Katz, The Morning News. 93 WIBC that refused to get up uh, for an elderly person on a bus. So the elderly person, the elderly woman just sat in the other person's lap. Uh, I read a uh, Reddit thread uh, asked if this was right or wrong. Uh, who's in the right or wrong. I enjoy, I don't do it often myself. It's not usually my move, but the super passive aggressive, or I guess even aggressive, aggressive here, a version of, of public fight. I enjoy witnessing that. I probably would enjoy watching someone be like, hey, I need that seat. And the other person being like, uh-uh. And then the person sitting in the other person's lap and chaos might ensue. Uh, did you have a reaction to the story? Insane. I just, 
how do people do like that? You stuff? have to be really gutsy to just sit yeah. in a total stranger's lap. You do. Yeah, you're right. That That is a move you don't see every day. I do get up when I'm on any kind of public transportation for someone uh, who's elderly. I don't stay seated and I don't usually, um, you know, think that it's wrong for an elderly person to kind of want to hope for a chair from somebody or a seat from somebody. Uh, but at the same time, if you don't get up, you can't you can't go full uh, Santa Claus's lap kind of move. It's probably not going to end well at the next stop. Um, uh, the person on this bus uh, looked displeased in her face. And eventually I think somebody got off the bus. But that's a story that went viral. And I find it fairly hilarious. Um, some other stuff out there that I thought was interesting, too. Uh, hey, you know what? Actually, I have a piece of audio. I'm going to play it for you. Uh, and we'll see what you think of it. This is I think this audio was first like on the Internet a while ago, but it's now making the rounds. I don't know if it's a Halloween too early kind of thing. But it's it's actually all a door. There's no other audio added to this. And people are asking, is this the creepiest, the spookiest door you've ever heard in your life? The most Halloween friendly door, uh, whatever the word might be. Here we go. <laughs> Do you need to hear that again? Or is that the creepiest door you've ever heard? That's uh, I don't like that. <laughs> it's real. So I guess the door, when you open it and then you bang it into the wall, which is what you hear there at the end, causes the like witch sound. <laughs> to happen i would just move out of this house in all honesty that's definitely a haunted house oh without a doubt that's <laughs> absolutely okay cool Ugh. yeah you get out get out as soon as you can uh, avoid all costs uh run from everyone uh some other stories out there i just love that audio i just decided to play that in the middle randomly there i'll move on uh, i love this story too uh the coast guard arrested a man trying to run a giant hamster wheel across the ocean. Um, I know you saw this one too, Jonathan. Uh, he calls it a hydropod, and uh, he was very proud of it. Uh, apparently not allowed to do this sort of thing. Uh, the key problem with his vessel, the giant floating hamster thing, it's self-propelled by running inside of it. Uh, not safe, I think, is one of the things they said. It's, it's incredible. First of all, what a workout. I feel like that would be so hard to do. Yeah. Um, but I just... I don't know. I feel like he should be allowed to do it. Like it's his life, you know. He, yeah. he 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 took the time to build the thing. It floats. You're right. It's it's a Darwin thing, I guess. If it's if he's that at risk and you let him go off into the sunset and do it. He was 70 nautical miles off of the shore and when he was asked where he was going, he said London, England, which was 4,000 miles away. I mean, if the guy makes the trip, it's the best story in the history of mankind. If he doesn't, it's fairly predictable. The fact that he got 70 miles offshore, <laughs> that's incredible. It is. Matt that's amazing. Matt Bear. I wonder if he was like sitting down for a lot of it and not actually running, though. I wonder if yeah. it's more disappointing than we think. I, In my mind, he ran the whole way. <laughs> he's just trucking along. Yeah, yeah. I, All right. Oh, if that's man. true, if he's like full sprint 70 miles in, I let him keep going until he gets winded. That's what I'm saying. Like, Let yeah, him keep okay. going. Uh, the best fitness that. advice I can give is is you go until you fall, and and then once everybody picks you up, then you're fine. I mean, that, then you just good. keep going. Yeah, you just you just keep exhausting yourself gotcha. until you have nothing left. Could I ask you, Matt? Would you be interested in running on a hydropod hamster wheel on the ocean? Is no, that a thing you'd be down for? If you pay me, I'll do anything. You know that's that's. <laughs> <laughs> What's no. the wait? Hold on. I, I love that. What's the amount of money to do like a crazy radio stunt for you? What, uh, what are we talking? 
No, it just depends on what it is. I mean, okay. I, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not like loony bent or anything. Yeah, like no, that. life's if I'm not doing in jeopardy. Right, Matt. right. Well, my life can be in jeopardy, sure. But I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> when I do things, I want to make sure that they're they're helping yeah. other people. Um, there was, some, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure somebody's getting something out of it, other than me. Yeah. But. All right, I love that. Um, do you guys know that there's a list of what each body part is worth? Are you aware of this? Um, I have some radio friends that have talked about this before. Like, if you injure yourself and you have to do an insurance claim, losing a pinky pays a certain amount of money, losing other items in your body pay other amounts of money. That's their frame of reference for the radio stunt they do compared to the risk associated with it. They're like, how injured would I get? And then how much money do I get in insurance if I lose this part of my body? And that's usually the starting line. I like that as a negotiation tactic. I think that's a great idea. I mean, you're protecting (laughs) your brand and your product. And at the same, that's why not do it like that? I I think that's a very smart business savvy way to do it. You got to at least break even is what they say there. You can't, you can't go into something, make a certain (laughs) amount of money, but then lose at the end. You got to, how do you quantify that? (laughs) You're comparing cash to bones. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Femur, $5,000, and I take the uh, insurance, the deductible, (laughs) and all the numbers (laughs) compared to a broken leg. It's beautiful. Can you picture that in a radio meeting where someone's like, do you want to jump off a tower? I don't know, man. I got to calculate how much this is worth for my bones. Yeah, yeah, Uh, I got to call my uh, insurance (laughs) agent. I got to get my bone guy on the phone. (laughs) My bone Um, guy, right. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to have you with us. Um, This is the first time I'm going to talk about potential Biden impeachment today, the president of the country, uh, obviously. Um, And the reason why I don't care about this as much as I probably should and as much as maybe a lot of you do, and I know a lot of people are celebrating the Republican move to go this road. Uh, The reason I don't care is because taking down Biden benefits the Democrats. Uh, I'm not saying he's not deserving um, from every single thing we understand and hear and comprehend about the Hunter Biden business dealings, the selling of of, uh, the illusion of influence, I think, or the illusion of connection, whatever the words is they chose to say, just all of that stuff, the 20 meetings uh, or, you know, um, uh, phone calls where you put on speakerphone and Hunter is meeting with business people. Like, it's all ridiculous. It's all crazy. And a lot of it is probably uh, business as usual in the world of politics. And there's a lot more politicians that probably deserve to be punished. I like Biden could be punished for this. I will also say that even though it feels like there's a lot of proof, uh, the fact that Democrats can say with a straight face, you know what, I actually have some audio. I'll go ahead and play this of Adam Schiff saying this. Say with a straight face that they don't think that there's any proof that this isn't uh, real, that it's a witch hunt. All the stuff that Republicans said uh, when uh, Trump got impeached twice. The thing, the ability for them to say that uh, means that they believe the American people as a whole haven't all been convinced that Biden is guilty. And they claim there's no you know, true smoking gun uh, because I guess Biden wasn't stupid enough to put money in a bank account with his own name on it. But here, let me play this first. An impeachment is a serious thing. Uh, it's not something that should be a bargaining chip for Kevin McCarthy to give the Matt Gateses of the world to try to buy them off for another week. Uh, and it will just bring down this institution even, for, even further. So that happened twice uh, when they did this to Trump. I think that you um, lowered the value of impeachment. I would also say that there's no chance the Senate actually would remove uh, Biden from power. So you're doing something in the world of politics that you know will have an inevitable 
end road unless what happens within this investigation, the impeachment investigation announced yesterday, is actually discovery of definitive, can't be denied by the Democrats, uh, versions of proof, which, again, I know people will be shouting at the radios that already exists, uh, but you need more, I guess, in that world. And so here's what I mean in my take. Here's what I'm I'm truly trying to say, because I want it to be clear. I don't want it to be misunderstood. I'm not asking Republicans not to investigate, go after Biden, find as much proof as humanly possible of any sort of corruption anywhere in politics, not just with our president and the most ridiculous uh, son of a president in probably the history of our country. Uh, But what I am saying is that this is utterly different than when Democrats did this to Trump because of how widely popular Trump was. Removing Biden, putting Harris into the role of president for any amount of time is terrifying. And then it gives Democrats a very easy out and also a way to shape a message uh, to the American people that those things they claim are true about Republicans, the upending whatever the crap it is that they say, uh, all of those things uh, do gain more steam, I think, with the the base on that side. And you're removing someone that I can't see getting reelected. I don't care if it's Trump running or someone else running. And I know I've been told by a lot of people this just can't uh, be right, that there's got to be a chance. But Biden has been so bad at this job that so many Democrats in poll after poll say they don't want him to run again. They don't think he's a good fit. They don't think he's mentally fit to be the president of the country. So it's sort of like the comparison to me in in all of this. It's sort of like getting the bench player kicked out of a game who's not likely to do very well. I know he's the president, but in my opinion, uh, there is a fairly easy slam dunk win to beat Biden here. And I I care more about that, Um, even though, as I said, I know the Senate won't uh, vote to actually impeach unless uh, the proof is so definitive and found well. And I do think that there has been attempts to prevent Republicans from gaining the information they want. So an impeachment inquiry hopefully helps get around any of those barriers. It just feels like to me a very shallow win if it happens because of the politician they're taking down and the value I see in that politician. However, right or wrong that is, that's the big reaction I've had to that story and all of its, um, you know, parts so far. I want to play one other piece of audio. I found this fascinating uh, and then we'll take a break. Uh, This is a reporter asking a question uh, to uh, Matt Miller, a Biden State Department spokesperson about COVID, about the Wuhan Institute of Virology, about funding, about all of this. And it's the second half of the I'm not answering your question, sir, please shut up, that I think is the most interesting, the most potentially damaging, because the first part was trying to behave as though uh, the question was ridiculous and move on quickly. But when the reporter presses, you see Matt Miller sort of freak out. You see him sort of uh, break a little bit and get more concerned, more worried. And I think that's significant because the reporter was pushing very hard on, are you saying that we gave no money to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to study things like COVID or coronavirus or wherever we're going to go with this? And he couldn't say no to that. So he just had to struggle and move on to the next question. Again, I find this fascinating as far as a piece of audio out there in the world. How much money went from USAID to this, to the work at Wuhan and to their collaborator, Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina uh, to create, the, to collect and 
make coronaviruses that are weaponized, that um, are more deadly. So I, first of all, reject the implicit accusation in that question, and I do not have at my finger. I, 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 I do not. I do not have at my fingertips the particular details of USA. Are you saying for certain? Are you saying for? I love this. He's like, go ahead, next person, come on. And the reporter's like, ah, I'm getting my two minutes. Certain that no USAID money went to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Go ahead. No, please tell me. Do you? Are you stating that no USAID money? I will say. I am happy to take questions from those in this audience. I'm happy to answer them. I appreciate that they treat uh, every person in this room. That guy sounds real, real nervous. Uh, that's that's my assessment of it. You can't see him. I know it's radio, but you can hear him. The voice starts to waver. Putting myself respectfully. I call on you. I'm now calling on someone else. Go ahead. Be respectful. <laughs> what I also love about that, by the way, hold on. Actually, this part's pretty good. Please tell me. What are you denying? Go ahead. What please. is your denial? Go <laughs> I love that so much. What are you saying I'm not right about? What are you saying and my question is wrong? And I go ahead, next person, please. I love the version of I'm being respectful to you by not answering your question at all and trying to move on and make you shut up in a very formal way. Why can't you be respectful to me and stop asking your question that I definitely don't want to answer? To me, that's a better, more interesting story right now uh, than some of the other things that are more dominant topics in the world of political news. All right, a quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in, Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. Tony Katz, The Morning News, 93 WIBC. My name is Craig Collins filling in, Matt and Jonathan hanging out as they do every morning on this show. Uh, you know what's odd is they're uh, doing these updates on the dude who won $2 billion uh, from the Powerball jackpot back in February. The guy's name is Edwin Castro. Uh, he's bought three mansions now. Uh, the third mansion, I guess, was bought recently for $47 million. It sounds awesome. 11 bathrooms, an infinity pool, seven bedrooms. Uh, as I said, it's his third mansion he's purchased in Los Angeles. Uh, he's also bought a bunch of other sweet stuff, uh, including, it says, a vintage Porsche on this list. Uh, this, I guess, is a definitive demonstration of what you do if you won, well, $1 billion after you take the lump sum payment and not the $2 billion in an annuity. Um, I love that this is getting reported on, that people are reacting to this, because, again, as far as, like, um, people who win lotteries, a lot of people actually surprisingly go broke, but when you win a billion, I don't think it's possible. So I just I wanted to react. I don't know if you guys have a reaction to third mansion in less than a year for Powerball winner guy. I'm not going to tell anybody what to do with their money, especially their money that they've earned. And yes. especially the money that they've been given. In this case, I, I don't get it. I, I, you, you're going to burn through a billion dollars in a decade. <laughs> it's a possibility. If, right. if, I, if anybody can do right. it, I can do it. I know I could burn yeah. through a billion dollars in a decade. And this guy's well on his way. Do something. Take a trip. Now, granted, we're only getting what's being reported right now. We don't know That's if true. he's given to charity. And really, it's none of our business. But at, at no. the same time, just get out there. Do the life experiences that you're not going to have in your third mansion, okay? Yes. Yeah, that's right. And by the way, I've never gotten so bored of my first two mansions that I needed a third one, but I don't have, <laughs> right. I don't have a billion dollars. I would say this, the one thing that I sort of reacted to in all of it is I would take the annuity payment. And I thought this every time I was pretty sure I was winning whatever the mega millions or Powerball was. So I would prevent myself from spending all the money. I don't want it all at once, man. Don't give me a check with a billion dollars on it. Uh, give me uh, 30 years of payments. I don't care if I'm going to make less money overall. I need that level of control in my life. No, I, I understand. I ask myself that question every time somebody wins the Powerball. <laughs> nice. What would you do? Would you take the lump sum right. payments? What, what would you do in this case? And 
I feel like that if I don't take it all at once, like I'm telling myself that I can't handle my money. I can't handle my money. <laughs> You're responsible. I'm a millennial. I went no. to Starbucks the other day way too many times. Well, I'm not a millennial, but I, no, I, I, I have no excuse. I know. <laughs> you know yeah. but I'm on that. Uh, I'm actually a uh, zillennial is, is what they call them on that nice. uh, X or millennial border. But yes. there, there has to be some sort of uh, I just cannot fathom yeah, for I... the reason why I cannot keep a billion dollars. But I don't think I'd be able to do it. But I want to be able yeah. to have the discipline, too. Yeah, I, w- I would do a lot of really stupid stuff. Very, I think I've said it on the show before. The first thing I would do is turn my backyard into a replica of Yankee Stadium, and that would make no sense, and no one would know why I did that. But as a giant Yankee fan, I think it was the coolest thing ever. I think it's so a terrific would, idea. Yeah, that'd be <laughs> sick. That'd yeah, be awesome. I, I would look back at it and be like, I'm the coolest guy, and everyone on my block would be like, that moron who won a million dollars is going to be you know, broke tomorrow. No, you'd be the coolest guy, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yes, I love that. Yeah. Uh, another thing out there, just quickly, I'll ask you both your opinion of this. Young Americans say they no longer care if people spell things correctly. Doesn't matter. Doesn't make you think any less of someone from an intelligence perspective. Uh, Grammar and spelling out as far as necessary skills in our world, according mostly to Gen Zers. No way. That's uh -uh. you don't think so. It bothers me. Really? Oh, yes. My uh, my wife, she was emailing in sick yesterday and she misspelled (laughs) multiple words. And I was like, you have to go back and fix all of this. For me, not even yeah. great way yeah. to start a marriage, yeah. Jonathan. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Jonathan that's good. just got married last weekend. Oh, nice. Oh, is officially last. Oh, duh. You were telling me you had some time off, and I didn't ask that. I'm so stupid. Uh, congratulations, Jonathan. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad that you are already picking what battles to fight and uh, <laughs> yeah. correcting her grammar. That's going to go real well. No, I'm kidding. I'm sure everything's great.